The issues discussed on the Roll Call Room podcast do not reflect the opinions of any specific agency. Any characters discussed on this show may be fictional for comedic value unless you're a shitbag Steve. This podcast is rated explicit and listener discretion is advised. In God we must. Sir, please get out of the vehicle. You have a great night. Sir? Huh? Please get out of the vehicle. Get out. You know what? Absolutely. And thank you for doing your job. I appreciate it. Also, thank you for releasing me upon my own recognizance. Sir, have you been drinking? Yes, I have. I've had five or six small batch bourbons. That's a lot. I'm going to have to ask you to take a breathalyzer test. Mm Mm-hmm. Runner! Stop running! Try to catch me! Ranger Rick, stop! Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look what I'm doing! Look what I'm doing! I handled this perfectly. This car is so powerful. Oh, yeah! Oh, wait, this is not my car. This is not my car. I don't have a gun in my car. Yeah. Take the car back. Hey, play it cool. Play it cool. He's not going to notice. Uh-uh. He's not going to notice. Control my breathing. I got to control my breathing. Oh, no. He's slow. Stop the Officer, now. are you in need of assistance? I'm back Stop up. Stop the vehicle. I'm back up. I, Stop I, the vehicle now. I see you. Stop the no, vehicle. No, I see you. Get out of the vehicle. Hey, here's the good news. I came back. Let's just talk about this. Oh. Hey! Hello, and welcome to the Roll Call Room podcast, the podcast that pissed shitbag Steve's off and fucked over my dad. And now your host, and my daddy, Nick. Alright, welcome ladies and gentlemen to another episode of the Roll Call Room Podcast. I am Nick, one of your hosts. Mike is south of the border, checking the border wall to make sure that everything is okay and it's keeping everybody out that has corona. Uh, with me is a very, very special co-host, uh, Dave. I'm probably going to say your name wrong, man, but I'm going to be the first one. So go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you should hear my last name. Dave, Dave Copenhaver. Spot on. Man. Damn. That's awesome. Spot on. Uh, Dave is a uh, master deputy with Richland County um, 
uh, Sheriff's Department in South Carolina. That's right. And uh, he has appeared on Live PD multiple times. Uh, I have seen you uh, on Live PD. Um, your specialty is DUI enforcement, which uh, falls into what we're trying to do while everybody's on this Corona break. Awesome. Uh, a lot of officers that are listening to our podcast, uh, even with the funnies, they want like um, educational stuff that they can listen to. Uh, we had your buddy Mike uh, from 720 Interdiction on the last two um, two episodes. Super sharp guy. Yeah, and uh, he knocked it out of the park, so no pressure to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? No pressure. Um, so the big feedback that we got from Mike's thing was the uh, interdiction piece, which is is that uh, I think you can attest to this, is we have a lot of new officers that are joining our profession um, and they're being taught by other new officers uh, that don't have the skill sets that you and Mike um, and me and my co-host used to have right. out on the street. So it's good to hear from us dinosaurs. Um, you know, some of the stuff. The truth. <laughs> no, I, know. I heard the music coming in. I, I had a rookie flashback because cops was big in the early nineties when I got my start in law enforcement. So. That's right, man. That's right. It gets me excited every time I hear that. Right. Um, still waiting for inner circle to come after us for playing that, but yeah, you know, whatever. Fight that battle when it comes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, um, DWI enforcement, was it something early on in your career that you got into, or was it just something that you kind of picked up along the way? So here's kind of how I got started in an impaired driving enforcement, Nick. Um, looking back on I don't think I realized it when I was a kid, but I grew up in a family of alcoholics. Mm. Um, if you went to something on my dad's side of the family, I don't care if it was Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's, um, Easter, Flag Day, whatever. It was like a contest. So you could get hammered the most and mm -hmm. make it home. I'm pretty sure my dad could see the wind a couple of times on the way home. Um, so I, I guess I, I grew up in an environment like that. Um, and I'll be honest with you. Uh, I, I graduated from, from high school with, with, with a PhD, a public high school diploma, barely. Uh, I, was, I was too busy doing stuff that high school kids do. And I knew I wasn't mature enough to um, to go to college right out the gate. I probably would have partied myself out in the first semester, if not the second. So I went in the Marines. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be stationed in Beaufort, South Carolina. And I worked with some really great people there. Uh, when I first got there, I was, I was the new kid. I was 19 years old. And everybody was coming back from Desert Storm. And, you know, working you know, post at night, you know, I was a new kid. So I was standing 12 hour gates. So I thought, Hey, if, if I could learn how to find some impaired drivers or other cases, maybe, um, you know, I get to sit down and write some paperwork and stuff to stand here for 12 hours in jungle boots. Hmm. After about six years, I said, I'm, I'm going to be a real cop and make some real money. Well, half that statement was right. I, you know, I was a real cop. Um, I went to work in a city called Walterboro, South Carolina, which is about 45 miles West of Charleston. And I, I was 25 years old. My hair was on fire. Um, I just like taking people to jail. And Walterboro and the surrounding area was target rich. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I just got, I got good at it. And I kind of honed my craft. Um, I was fortunate enough that the administration there sent me to a lot of traffic schools, crash reconstruction, and, uh, and impaired driving schools. 
Um, after about six years there, I, I realized I reached terminal rank as a sergeant. I went to work for another department in, uh, in Ridgeland, which is in Jasper County on the I-95 corridor and got to play around. I hate to use the term play around, but work a little criminal interdiction on I-95, um, and a lot of traffic enforcement. And that's where I was able to go through DUI instructor school and drug recognition expert school. And I started to realize I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of good at this. And that sound arrogant, but. Um, maybe I can teach others how to do it. And that's when I went to DUI instructor school down in Florida and then went to DRE school. And I realized at that point, uh, I was much rather do enforcement than, than crash reconstruction because I would rather take people off the road than knock on somebody's door and mm-hmm. telling them a family member's never coming home again. Because when we sign up to be cops, I don't care what you are, if you're a city cop, a university cop, uh, county sheriff, state trooper federal agent, whatever. Nobody looks in the, uh, in the job description. It says must do death notifications. Yeah. I don't think anybody say, Hey, I want to wake up, you know, I'm gonna go to work here in an hour and a half. And I don't think I'll go, Hey, I'm going to knock on somebody's door. Tell my loved one's never coming home again. So my thought was if I could take impaired drivers off the road, then I would have to do less of that. Mm-hmm. There are less people dealing with that kind of heartache. Uh, I was fortunate enough. I, I taught, we have, we have one, Criminal Justice Academy, if you're a cop in South Carolina, so it doesn't matter if you're a state trooper, deputy sheriff, uh, game warden. Uh, we have what we call sled agents, uh, state law enforcement division, or sleep late every day, whichever you care to use. Um, so <laughs> uh, stop, let's eat dinner. Um, they're the investigative side of our state. No matter what you do in the state, you go through the same academy. I was fortunate enough to teach there for almost seven years. Um, I got tired of doing the same thing every three weeks. And uh, I had a conversation with Mama Bear, and I was like, hey, I'm, I'm ready to go back on the street. And she's like, all right, how about it? I support you. Um, I went to talk to my sheriff. We had a conversation, and probably about six weeks later, uh, I was fortunate enough to, to work with the sheriff's department, and uh, I was put on a full-time DUI grant. That, that's what I did. I, I ran around, hunted in pair drivers all night long, and we're in a metro area of almost a million people between us and, and the county next to us. So. Uh, it's a, it's a target rich environment. So that's, that's kind of how I got where I'm, where I'm sitting right now. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you, uh, when you first started out doing DUIs, was there somebody that you kind of partnered up with that was really, really good at it? Or was it kind of feeling in the dark and, uh, falling forward kind of thing? I, th- I think at, at that point in time, it was trial by fire where, and I didn't realize it back then that, I was learning from making a lot of mistakes mm-hmm. or I'd make a case and I might make you know a fatal error in a case or something. Something I didn't do uh, legally or constitutionally or, or whatever. And then a defense attorney would just beat this snot out of me in court. Yeah. And I didn't realize back then what a blessing that was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hate to lose. I mean, I, you know, I'll steal the phrase from Moneyball. I hate to lose more than I love to win. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if you think about it in, in our careers, no matter what you do, you can remember all your failures or all your defeats with the utmost clarity, but it's hard to remember all your victories. I can still remember things I did wrong in cases, testifying cases that um, you know happened back in the late 90s, early 2000s. So that's why uh, my wife and I were forming a company called Integrated Impaired Driving Solutions to help law enforcement officers and prosecutors get better at testifying and prosecuting cases, especially impaired driving cases. So mm-hmm. we're hoping to have that up and running by the uh, 
by the midsummer, this whole coronavirus kind of threw us a curveball. Yeah, I think for everybody, us too. Um, so, um, so you're out there and you're um, you're on a DUI grant task force. Uh, can you walk us through some of the indicators that you kind of look for? Um, you know, I'm a brand new officer. Right. right. Um, lose solo on patrol. Uh, what's your words of wisdom? Excuse me. Uh, I tend to work mostly moving violations. I don't chase a lot of equipment stuff. Um, I, I know a lot of times in, in the in the DUI schools, we say, hey, as long as you get them on the shoulder and have a conversation with them, that's, that's a starting point. But for me personally, I think it's hard to articulate impairment off of a, uh, a broken taillight or Here's another one that we like to use when we're working criminal saturation is a, a defective license plate light. Yeah. That $3 light's got me more felony cases mm-hmm. than, than anything else, which is great because it's a reason to put somebody on the shoulder. It's hard to articulate, hey, you stopped him for this. How about the other 300 people you stopped this month because of that? Um, I like working a lot of wide radius turns. I'll sit on intersections, especially close to uh, gas stations. Mm-hmm. Gas stations are a honey hole, especially after about 11 p.m. Um, for all sorts of shenanigans, whether not just impaired driving, but, you know, fugitives, uh, dope cases, all, all the above. And I kind of bind the mindset, you know, we go out here hunting drunks, drugs and guns. If you can take those three things off the street, you're going to make your community safer. So um, mine just have I just have to be good at the, at the DUI aspect of it. But sometimes you, know, you spin the wheel and it's doper guns or stuff like that. And I'm just as excited about that stuff. Um, now you said about the gas station, the wide turn. What do, what do you mean by that? So if if, if you're at a a four, you know, two lane two two lane north, two lane south intersection, and somebody turns east or west onto that four lane highway, if you're making a left hand turn, you're supposed to turn to the left lane. If you're making a right hand turn, you're supposed to turn to the right lane. So if you go front, making a left hand turn, and you go into the outside lane, mm. and then come back, that's called a wide radius turn. I gotcha, gotcha. Um, which in South Carolina is a violation of law. I imagine pretty much all the other 49 states, if you look in your traffic statute somewhere, it says you can't do that. Except West um, Virginia. <laughs> yeah. Just, just about everything's legal in that state. Um, I joke, you know, everybody from Pennsylvania, I'm, I'm originally from Pennsylvania. Everybody dogs on, on West Virginia and the South and stuff like that. But in reality, we have Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and the rest is Pennsylvania. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't grow up in Philadelphia or Pittsburgh. Either, so. Well, well, I can tell you, we're in Virginia. Uh-huh. That's all we yeah. do is make fun of West Virginia. Absolutely. Sorry, West Virginia. So um, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I work a lot of speeding cases. Um, radar? Yeah. Um, I'm a big radar guy. I don't use a whole lot of LIDAR because I just don't have the patience to sit somewhere very often. Um, ADD starts kicking in. If, I, if I'm not jamming cars in about 10 or 15 minutes, it's like this place is substandard. Let's go find somewhere else. Uh, off to the next hunting hole. I, w- I work a lot of um, thoroughfares coming out of bar districts. I'm not a big fan of the guy who sits across the street of the bar. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that's illegal. Everybody's like, well, it's entrapment. It's no sitting, this, this sitting across from a dope house. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like it. I like to give him a fair chance, though. <laughs> you know, I like to give him a sport. I mentioned when you get, when you get ass spanked on the, on the witness stand by the defense attorney for that, you look like an idiot in front of the judge, like that you're you're hunting in front of a bar. I'm going to tell you like this, Nick, and 
Gosh, that's not everyone when I said that. But this, this is something that um, that I realized a long time ago in my career. When it comes to courtroom testimony, our job is to be likable. Mm-hmm. If you come off like a jerk, you're going to lose a lot of cases that you should have won. And you're definitely going to lose a lot of cases you should lose. If you're like the guy or the girl next door and people in the jury said, gosh, Dave Copenhaver is such a nice guy. I wish my daughter would find a guy like him. Mm-hmm. Guilty. Hang him from a yardarm. Even if it's a 50-50 case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, stuff like, and that begins the moment you prepare for work. You know, when I go back here and start putting my uniform on, I got to get my mind right. You know, I got I to be, cor- not necessarily cordial with people, but I got to be able to communicate well with people. Um, I need to, you know, let them understand that, hey, this is just a job. It's nothing personal. Um, I arrested a guy the other night for driving the influence, and... This happens a lot more later in my career than I did younger in my career. This probably has a lot to do with my communication yeah. skills. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was like, I thank you for being so polite. And I was like, look, dude, I don't think you're a bad person. I just think you made a bad decision. And that's something when I teach, I'm like, write this phrase down, use it over and over and over again. Because people go, yeah, you're right, Dave. I drank too much. I knew I shouldn't have drove home. And meanwhile, this is all on video and, and jurors are just sucking that up. Yeah. But I think we get that. I think... I have to agree with you because I don't think I started to realize how really to communicate with suspects and how much more I can get out of them with honey. Yeah, absolutely. Until I had like six or seven years on where I started to go, my normal, just hook them and book them uh, and throw them in the back of the cruiser and shut the door and, you know, shut up and don't, don't say anything or um that just doesn't work after a period of time. And I, I think age has to do with it. I think maturity, maturity. Has to do with it. Absolutely. Um, later on in my career, you know, having, you know, 15 plus years on, uh, realizing that same thing that you said, that phrase that you use is the same one that I do, which is, I don't think you're a bad person. I just think that you just did a bad thing and yeah. you had a bad day. doesn't yeah. make you a bad person forever. Everybody has bad days. Everybody has bad days. And, and uh, the new officers, and we, God, we have a lot of them that listen to this show. If you learn that early on in your career, you're going to have a stellar 20, 25 years in your career. So I, I, th- I think a lot of it, too. When I was, I started in civilian law enforcement at 25 years old. So when I was in my 20s, um, looking back, Nick, I can also say there were probably times that I provoked or instigated <laughs> defendants to doing stuff that probably wasn't their best interest. Yeah. I, okay, I, say, I threw kerosene on the fire. That's probably the best way to say it. And it had to come to do with my communication skills. Because back then, I didn't care. I would do a use of force packet, or here we call them defensive action reports. I would do that. Um, I didn't mind. Uh, my body didn't hurt the next day. Now, creeping up on 50, you know, at 48 years old, if I got to tussle with somebody, you know, my knees hurt the next couple of days. <laughs> and so, um, well, you know, it's funny that you say that is, is that I just left my agency, uh, like two weeks ago and I was sitting down with my two daughters. They're both teenagers. One's almost 18. And, uh, they were like, you know, now that you're not in the profession anymore, is there anything that you can say now that you wouldn't say before to us? And I said the same exact thing that you just said that if I could have taught myself earlier on in my career to watch my mouth and not instigate some, some uses of force could have been avoided. Absolutely. Um, 
and my body wouldn't be as worn down as it is right now. Like when it's about to rain, the joints in my hand back hurt because, you know, back in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, you would just go to toe to toe with a suspect yeah. and you duke it out. And then when it was over, you put handcuffs on them. There was mutual respect and that was it. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have yeah. tasers and you never used mace or OC. You never used that stuff. Um, sort of. Oh, I would say we did. The pepper spray. We, <laughs> we had some. Other than in the, I'm just, saying, I'm just thinking about different times where cops sprayed other cops, and I started to laugh because we had one yeah. guy who was infamous for, it, and then me and uh, me and my buddy were arresting a prostitute, and uh, she wasn't real compliant. And I said, "I'm gonna spray her," and he goes, "My buddy's like, no, he's right behind her," and I let her hold it like half a can, and I, yeah. I think he caught more of it than she did, and he, I mean, that that was in. 1998 and every time i see him he's like hey remember the time you sprayed me i'm like gosh man let it go come on Nah, that stuff sucks man that fucking yeah. sucks sucks i'd rather get tased than sprayed well because yeah, after after five seconds it's done and over with yeah yeah but i mean but we back went back dave when you and i first started it was oil based now it's water based yeah. so you just kind of wash it off sure. and you know your decon is like 10 15 minutes uh yeah definitely oil base was like fucking the gates of hell on your face so um ruthless. so uh again i'm gonna i'm always gonna reference the new officers uh and and Absolutely. you know um a lot of them have asked what's your approach like you've got you've got the driving behavior already we've already established that you're walking up on the car live pd is not with you so you don't have to worry about the camera behind you yeah. and we'll get to that later man we'll get to that uh, we'll talk about that later. yeah we'll talk about that um you know, you're solo, you're out there, you're approaching the car. What's your approach? What's your spiel? Um, I, I think we as a law enforcement community tend to, when it comes to DUI enforcement, tighten the parameters, so to speak, on certain hours and certain nights. Hmm. Okay, so for example, if if you come down and say, hey, Dave, I'm coming down to South Carolina, cleaning off the passenger seat on Friday night, cool. So it's 1230 in the morning, Friday night, Saturday morning. And we're stopping cars. We're thinking DUI enforcement or DWI enforcement or OBI, whichever state you're in, whatever you guys call it, wherever you are. Mm -hmm. um, but how about three o'clock in the afternoon on Tuesday? You know, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be quote unquote a drinking night or in in prime hours. Um, I've always worked my way through stops that I'm looking for criminal behavior until I can eliminate all of them. Mm -hmm. uh, I walk up to a car. You almost scan the back seat. Is, is there an open bottle in the back seat? Is there a blunt wrapper in the back seat? Uh, you know, a crack pipe, uh, syringes. Um, what do I see? What do I smell? What do I hear when I talk to? Them? First thing I look at is people's eyes. You know, are they are they glassing bloodshot for alcohol, or are they dilated? You know, are they big because they've been smoking weed or meth or crack, or are they really small? because they're on some kind of opiate-based drug like heroin or Oxycontin or something like that, or Dilaudid. Um, and usually, this is something one of my field trained officers told me years ago. If it's worth looking at once, it's worth looking at twice. You know, like like if, if you go, hey, that doesn't quite seem right. You know, there's something in your subconscious that triggers you to that, so, so explore that. Um, you know, 
I grew up in an era in South Carolina. This is going to sound crazy. I know everybody when it comes to DUI enforcement, your state has some kind of caveat that makes it difficult for you. Like Georgia has to read some version of implied consent almost immediately as soon as handcuffs go on. I went over and taught a class with uh, with some great guys and girls over there. And uh, that was their big thing. Ours in the early 2000s was you had to Mirandize people before doing a field sobriety test. Yeah. What? I grew up in an area where you had to Mirandize people before you did a field sobriety test. So my thought process was, hey, if I'm going to Mirandize somebody, I'm going to ask them some questions other than where you're coming from, where you're going to. You know? Right. Which, I mean, th- those, those are pretty basic questions. Now, those are any criminal enforcement questions you should be asking people. You know, uh, where you're coming from, where you're going to. I was joking around on a Facebook post the other day some on a, on a DUI page. And uh, you say, hey, where are you, where are you headed to? And if somebody says, I'm just trying to make it home, call for your next record. I have never heard anybody say, I'm just trying to make it home and not arrest them for DUI or something, mm-hmm. some kind of criminal behavior. Because basically what that is, that's a cry for help. That's saying, I know that you know that I know that you know that I know that I'm dirty. I'm just hoping you're too lazy for you to do your job. Right, right. Um, you know, I, I ask a lot of questions. Um, Did they maybe, do away with that Miranda event? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that got that got kiboshed that's in 2009, crazy. thank goodness. That's you insane. Know, um, we um we have a very strict videotaping statute in our state, though. Uh, I have friends, especially my, my buddies out in, in, in Arizona. We used to go out there a lot for, for field certifications for DRE school when I was teaching at the academy. And uh, you know, a couple of my buddies out there are like, dude, if you can if you can do DUI enforcement well in South Carolina, you would be a rock star in any other state just because of all the things you got to yeah. keep in mind here. Um, I'm not saying that's not, it's not difficult anywhere else because if you think about it and here's something i talk about when i teach outside of law enforcement nick how many people do you know that have been murdered very few None. okay how many people do you know who have murdered somebody none outside your time in law enforcement how many people do you know that has sexually assaulted somebody none that have been sexually assaulted maybe one how many people do you know that have drove under the influence? See, that's why DUI enforcement is so difficult because everybody knows somebody who's done it or has done it. Right. And it's for the whole, you know, for the grace of God, go I mindset. Um, so we all have that, that thing that we're fighting. Um, mm. Never thought about that before. I never thought about that. We have down here in Virginia, we have implied consent. Um, it's the biggest pain in the ass in the world. Um, I think that's difficult no matter where you go. It's such a fucking pain in the ass because you have to read implied consent before you even go down our whole booking system for DUIs. Uh, it's a fucking mess to get the, the breathalyzer done. Uh, you have to book them through the whole entire jail. It's, it's a fucking, it's a mess. We do, we do the same thing. I mean, we do the breath test before the booking procedure. So I can either do it at a local police department or, uh, or somewhere else, but back, back to interviewing people, you know, where are you coming from? Where are you going to, how much have you had to drink? And you can get the standard two beer answer. Cause people always remember the first and the last beer they had. Mm-hmm. I call it the Jedi beer trick. Okay. So, um, you have any mixed drinks? Yeah. Well, maybe I had a Jack and Coke. How many shots? Well, I had a shot of, of Jaeger. Okay. 
So now you got a couple beers, a Jack and Coke, a Jaeger. Okay, when did you start drinking? When did you stop drinking? Um, here's the two big questions I, I like. Uh, without looking at our watch or a clock, can you tell me what time it is? Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one guy, it's like 3.30 in the morning. He goes, it's like midnight. Uh, I was like, cool. All right. Uh, check that box. You know. Um, and... You know, y'all feel free to write this one down because I, I don't have a copyright on this. I, I teach this one no matter where I go. On a scale from one to ten, if one stone cold sober and ten is fallen down drunk, where would you rate your level of impairment right now? You'll be surprised what people tell you. Hmm. Do they do they usually go on the low scale or the high scale? Do they dime themselves out. I, I it, you know it depends. I usually get like somewhere like in the three four range because people don't. You know, the, and I'll be honest with you. I, if, if I if smell somebody's been drinking, I'll ask them to do field tests. One, it keeps my game sharp. Two, maybe it teaches them a valuable lesson. Mm-hmm. You know, because, and, and it proves to people, or I can honestly say to defense attorneys and juries that I don't arrest everybody that I field test. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you are only arresting, or are you only arresting everybody you field test, you're probably not field testing enough people. You're only just doing the sloppy drunk ones. Mm-hmm. You're probably letting a lot go that you're, you're missing. Um, but uh, I just lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. Um, it's okay. This time it wasn't me that did it. <laughs> yeah. Um, where was I going with that? That's horrible. It'll come back to me. Um, it's all those DUIs you've done. Uh, like I said, I work in a target-rich environment. So... <laughs> Well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take a quick oh, break. You were talking about diamond and mount. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll catch we'll that up on the break. break. And then we'll uh, we'll come back, and then uh, we'll come back and see if they diamond themselves out or they're low or they're high. Sounds great. All right, folks, we'll be right back from this break. Law enforcement officers are dying at an alarming rate, not at the hands of criminals, but at their own hands, leaving loved ones to pick up the pieces, leaving our brothers and sisters lost, leaving them praying for answers, leaving them praying for someone to do something. We are hurting. We are struggling. We are demanding answers and change. We are the public's guardians and protectors. Now, for the first time, someone is speaking up. From the creators of the Roll Call Room podcast comes peer support training for law enforcement. This training will define our legacy as a profession and change the stigma about mental health in law enforcement. This training will hopefully stop the epidemic of suicides in our profession. I keep a close watch on this 
All right, folks, we are back from break. Uh, we were uh, knee deep in it uh, just before we left the break. Uh, one of the great questions that uh, you gave that was um, a good interviewing technique was scale of one to 10 from you know one to 10. How drunk do you think you are? Uh, my question was, is do you do you find that the majority of the DUIs rate themselves lower or higher? Do they dime themselves out or do they play it safe? I'll say probably about three to five, three to two, two to five, three to five is usually about the standard. If I get something like if I get like five or six, I might say, oh, so you got a pretty good buzz right now. And they're like, yeah, I got a good buzz. I'm not hammered, but I got a good buzz. Check. Um, I had one. He's like. Yeah, I'm about an eight. I said an eight. He goes, yeah. I said, do you think you should be driving right now? He goes, absolutely not. <laughs> I've been looking for you all night long, man. <laughs> Thank you. I've been looking for you for 20 years. No kidding, man. You're a poster child, you know? Jesus. That's that's not even, you know what? That's not you even. You make this stuff up. Yeah, that's not even going to court. That's a plea bargain. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then you get ones, uh, you know, they're like about two. I think two is like the standard answer. Yeah, but still, they're showing some signs of impairment. Mm -hmm. um, defense attorneys hate the question, especially when they rattle off like, "Oh, I'm about a four or a five. Oof. You know, um, you have my prosecutors down here love it. You have body cam, right? Right. Yeah, we have a, we have a camera system that ties in our vid. You know, we got a front camera. I don't have a cage in my car, so I got a passenger seat camera, mm -hmm. and then my body camera. It all ties into into one system. I, I absolutely love it. Yeah, my jurisdiction before I left, we didn't we didn't have body cameras or cruiser cams. Uh, That's hard to believe, you know, in 2020 that there's jurisdiction money. there still to money, man. Small city, 300 and out 300 sworn. Um, not a big police department. Um, <laughs> it's funny you say not a big place. That's, that's about half the size of my department. We're we're the largest in the state. <laughs> yeah, just the the municipality that I worked in was just so cheap. Uh, they were like crime. They didn't pay. So they just. I would, I would think, though, just from the liability factor. They, uh, we, we have so many IA complaints that are just exonerant or they're just cleared out. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I went into, I guess I said we use Axon. Mm. And I, uh, I have access to my video files so I can do uh, discovery motions for defense attorneys. Oh, you do your own? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Uh, I'll send them to the prosecutor or, you know, like if it's at magistrate level, because mm -hmm. um, a lot of times we try our own cases at magistrate level, unless for, for DUI stuff. We have a couple of DUI prosecutors who I've made extremely good friends with. Um, they're like, dude, just give me a call anytime. He's like, I'll prosecute your cases. Um, cool. And the guys and girls that I work with that are getting into DUI enforcement, I introduce them to, to the DUI prosecutor. Like, hey, this this deputy sharp, look out for them, take care of them too. Mm -hmm. But lots of times I'll just, I'll just send them, you know, all the discovery and then send them the video. Um, sometimes they'll flag, they'll, or they'll say IA. And I was like, Hmm, what's this? I said, did I say something rough to somebody or, mm -hmm. or, um, was it just a standard, you know, Hey, we're going to screen some videos and see what Dave's been up to these days type deal. Um, there's a lot of times people file complaints and our RI division will say, are you sure you want to stick to that story? Cause that's not what the video is saying. So we're, we're big. I, I can't, I can't believe that there's 
departments that would risk all the civil liability out there in this day and age. But, With mine, it doesn't surprise me. But the other thing is, is does Georgia, I know we're veering off of DUIs, but I, I'm always intrigued at talking uh, to other jurisdictions other than from Virginia. Does your, um, does your II or IA, whatever you call it, do they prosecute false reports from citizens that make false reports? No, I'm 100% sure. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, really I know I've worked for departments before that have. Like, hey, if you file a complaint, it's, it's not legit. And we got to spend X hours, X amount of man hours investigating this. And sure, that's not necessarily that's always gets prosecuted, but. Yeah, ours doesn't. Like, you can come in to police headquarters and say that. You know, Officer Nick smacked me in the face and then they review, um, you know, like a store's camera and they they find out that there's absolutely no, you know, it's unfounded. And they just basically send the person a letter saying it's unfounded. There's no like no prosecution or no charges for filing a false report. I, I always ask that question to other jurisdictions. I know there, there was a department I worked for in the lower part of the state where they said, oh, OK, Nick, you're going to make this allegation against Dave. Cool. Uh, here, fill out this witness statement. And we're going to write this incident report and we're going to investigate it. We're going to get back to you. And mm -hmm. then when it got cleared through either body, you know, in-car video or other witnesses or whatever, you know, some egregious like that, they would actually charge them with filing a false police report. Yeah. Yeah. Which, depending on like, if it was just like an assault, it would be a master level offense. But if it was something big, you know, like uh, like misconduct in office, which that usually goes with law enforcement. Like if if I went out here tonight and smacked somebody in the teeth mm -hmm. who didn't need it, you know, just walked up to somebody I don't like the way their shirt looked and smacked them in the mouth. They have a charge in our state called misconduct in office. It's like a five year felony. So that usually ties into to that too. So yeah, that's um, that uh, that officer the the taser the taser one. I think that was South Carolina. I think that was you guys, not your jurisdiction, but. It was uh, in South Carolina where he tased the guy and it wasn't effective. The guy ran away and he shot him and shot him. In the back. Yeah. Yeah. That was in the lower part of the state. Yeah. They charged him with uh, that charge that you're talking yeah. about. That was the coup de gras on top of <laughs> the murder charge. Yeah. So. Yeah. That was, that was tough. That's tough. Um, so I got a couple other, I got another question here. Cool. Um, um, do you trade, do you treat, DWI, tongue tied tonight. DWI fatalities differently than you do a normal DUI that you roll up on with driving behavior. Do you treat them differently? Um, and if so, how do you treat them differently? Um, and how do you go about it? I would. Um we at our sheriff's department, we don't investigate very many traffic collisions. Usually if it's a DPS employee, like a state trooper or something, I think in a car chase, mm -hmm. I'd say somebody blows a red light and they're impaired. Mm -hmm. And we would investigate that crash. Um, but otherwise state takes yours. Yeah. 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 Highway patrol takes all, all crashes in our County with, with exceptions that are, they're in the, the non-municipal areas. Um, now we're for all municipalities before, I came up here to Columbia to teach at the academy. Um, do I treat it differently? 
I would like to say no. I'd like to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to give each case my A game. But in reality, we know that's not true. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I joked around a Facebook post. I said, hey, if, uh, you know, during that December, January time frame when everybody leaves their car running so it warms up in the morning and then like 45 cars in your jurisdiction get stolen every morning and you get frustrated. And you're like, hey, where, where are the keys to the car? Oh, I left it running. And you're just like, <sighs> you roll your eyes at them. You try not to you try to mask all that, but I'm asking what you're thinking inside. That person's not going to get your A game of law enforcement. They should. They should. They're entitled to it. Mm-hmm. But let's be realistic. They're not going to. Um, I like to think this. If, if somebody's seriously injured or killed in a crash because somebody's impaired, I'd like to think I'm going to break out all, all my bag of tricks mm-hmm. with, with everything I've learned over the years. And if I have questions, I'll, I'll say this. I'm not the smartest guy on the planet, but I know a lot of smart people. Right. Um, I'll say this one thing I'm very good at is networking. I'll mm-hmm. start picking up the phone. I'll call guys and girls in other states. Hey, this is what I'm looking at. What do you think? Or this is my scenario. What's your advice? Because um, lots of times you're just too close to the scenario right? to maybe make good decisions or to see the big picture or see the full outcome of it. So, um, Well, this, this ties into the other thing that I got um, from a fan. And this is, I guess this is jurisdiction by jurisdiction, but it may be in yours. So a lot of the way that DUI enforcement is going, especially with the defense of um, persons charged with DUI enforcement is blood draw. Um, A lot like I know in Virginia, um, we're really pushing hard for blood search warrants. Right. you know, is that it's is that the wave of the future that you're seeing eventually where we're going to veer off of the intox machine and rely more on um, getting a blood search warrant? Or do you I, find I, a blood search I don't, warrant? I don't, I don't think we're going to go away from from breath testing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and here's here. I could be wrong on this. But here's here's why I say in South Carolina, we will not probably go. Well, number one, they're going to say uh, blood draws are just far too evasive a procedure mm-hmm. to, be a, to be a primary method of testing. It's the most accurate form of testing. Mm-hmm. Um, but. And I would like to say that. I should get a search warrant on a breath test refusal. I don't always. Now, if, if it's a repeat offender, I'll give you an example. I stopped a guy. Gosh, almost two years ago. I remember I was, I was out, <laughs> I was working some overtime and I was really frustrated because it was like three o'clock in the morning. I hadn't found, found I hadn't made a DUI arrest yet. And it was on a Friday night. And, uh, you know, people are like, well, maybe you're doing your job if you're not finding them. Not in this area. Um, I was sitting at a red light and I looked over and a guy sat through a full green light at three o'clock in the morning. And I was like, this is stuff they talk right out of NHTSA manual about. So I stopped this guy. His license is suspended. He's listed as a habitual traffic offender, um, which is a five-year felony in our state. And he's got like four prior DUI or convictions in the last 10 years. Uh, field test him. He's, he's, he's impaired, so we place him in arrest. I'm like, I know how this is going to go down. I'm going to take him down local PD, offer him the breath test. He's going to tell me to go kick rocks. And he's going to think that he beat the system. Mm. So... My buddy Phil, he used to teach at the academy with me. Also, he's one of my partners. I said, hey, when I check out the police department down here, give me about 20 minutes and then meet me down there. 
He says, okay. So I walk in. The guy's like, I'm not taking a breath test. So I said, let me read implied consent. You can do whatever you want after that. So he goes, go kick rocks. I said, okay, cool. We do the refusal paperwork. I take him out of the car, put him back in handcuffs. I put him in Phil's car. And I said, um, just sit right here for a second. I said, come over here. I pull his DMV record up online. And uh, I said, okay, there's one, two, three. I'm counting and Phil goes, and there's number four. He said, okay, so this is number five. He says, what are you going to do? I said, watch this. I typed up a search warrant. Mm-hmm. And we carried him down to jail. Um, turned out he had like, like two hours after I stopped him, he had like a 166 blood alcohol, um, which you figure most per- most people metabolize at 0.15% per hour. So he was close to a two when I stopped him. Right. Um, we've had scenarios where, where troopers, uh, this, with this one trooper that I'm friends with, she got hit head on by a drunk, real low speed impact, thank goodness. But uh, it was a double refusal. Girl's like, uh, I'm not doing a field sobriety test. I'm not taking a breath test. Cool, sit tight. And I went back, typed up a search warrant. So she said, what are we doing? I said, we're going to the hospital. Why? Because <laughs> go get your blood. That's why. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had a couple scenarios like that. Um, I, I use it for, for the bigger cases. One, because we, we this way our statute's written, we have to have blood drawn or urine taken. And by a licensed medical person in a licensed medical facility. So it can be a lab tech, but it has to be like in a, a doctor's office, a, an urgent care, a hospital, a vet clinic. I had a trooper friend of mine. He was on the way, and we have a specific time limit that you can get secondary tests in. And he wasn't going to make it, so he passed a vet's office. He slid in there and got a vet that's tech. <laughs> I mean, that's I was, vet's uh, office? Yeah, I mean, it met, it met the, the requirement by statute. They're like, hey, great thinking. Don't ever do that again. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> one of those things. Um, that's, that's not the norm. So, I mean, that that's the big hang-up for me. Yeah. Is, is to do that, it's like a 20-minute drive to the hospital. And then I got to drive, you know, I'll say this. The nurses at the hospital that we use are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all the, all the nurse, my sister's a nurse at Geisinger Medical Center in, in central Pennsylvania. And all the nurses are getting all the pub these days with this virus and they do amazing work. I'm, I'm going to try and make light of that. But these guys and girls at, at the hospitals that we work at are just top notch. Yeah. I walk in the door like, what do you need? I'm like, I need a blood draw out there. Like, cool. I'm in and out in like 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I got, I got hit by a drunk. I got rear-ended by one with a 257 blood alcohol. Um, the end of September. It was kind of funny. I, I came in, you know, I, EMS transport me down to the hospital. And one of my friends, she's a nurse, said, what happened to you? You know, I tried to make it like this. I said, I missed you guys, so I figured I'd come check you guys out. She goes, no, seriously, what happened? I said, I got hit by a drunk. They're like, they bring him in for a blood draw? I said, probably. She was like, I'll be more than happy to do that. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I think the needle she used looked like a javelin, <laughs> like a lawn dart or something like that. So I asked that um, question because um, – uh, here in Virginia, it's 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 becoming more and more um, prevalent. It's becoming more of a thing where um, blood search warrants for DUIs are are happening, and uh, they're becoming more streamlined. You know, the office one officer takes them down to the hospital, the other officer shoots down to the magistrate's office, right. has a template already filled out. The, the speed is dependent on the magistrate. If the magistrate could pump out a war- a search warrant quick get to the hospital, get that boy, bad boy done. So I tell you, we, we are fortunate enough with my current agency that we have a magistrate 24 hours a day at our detention center. Same. So if, if I take somebody in, they go, go kick rocks. If I really want to, I can walk in the back, type up a search warrant for a blood draw 
and go do it. And I had a, a bond court master who's, who does a lot of defense work. And she kind of questioned it first. She goes, isn't this kind of like circumvent? I said, Your Honor, I said, if there's probable cause to arrest, there's probable cause for a search warrant. Mm-hmm. She goes, you know what? You're right. And I don't think she was excited about it, but she signed the search warrant. Uh, so, I mean, that, that, that's the big thing. You know, a lot of places, I know Texas and Louisiana, they do, they'll call it no refusal of weekends. Where if you're arrested for driving the influence, if you don't provide a breast sample, they go search warrant and draw your blood. Um, so, yeah, it's it's the it's the in vogue thing these days. Mm-hmm. Um, I think prosecutors here, here, like it too. Oh, prosecutors love it. Absolutely love that. I think where where it becomes difficult is getting the nurse or the person who drew the blood, and then your toxicologist into court. Amen. Yep. But from from our perspective, um, especially our toxicologists, because I think we have like six or seven for the whole state at at, at Sled who who do all the uh, the uh, toxicology work. So, you know, you got 15, 16,000 cops in our state and six or seven toxicologists to run around the state handling DWI, you know, DUI, DWI cases. Um, I would, I'll be honest with you, I, I probably should get more search warrants. They're, it's just hard for me, especially if I got one who's sloppy. Yeah. You know, if you, if you think about this, um, we're building a case. I always, when I taught about taught at the academy, I said, "Think of a banana split." You know, if I throw some bananas and some ice cream, some whipped cream, some, you know, some pineapple, chocolate sauce on there, but I don't put the cherry on the top. You can still look at that and pretty much tell what that is. Mm-hmm. Like, looks like a banana split. If I just take a cherry and drop it in a bowl, what do you got there? A you know, cherry in a bowl. Mm-hmm. And my, what I'm trying to point trying to make is your toxicology, your breath test or whatever is that cherry. Mm-hmm. If you're relying solely on your toxicology to win your case, you have a loser. You made a bad case. Um, now, there's ones I'm like, yeah, I had one last Friday night and the, the guy's license was suspended. He's like, my license can't get suspended anymore. Could I? I was like, nope, you're absolutely right. He was like, I don't think I want to take the breath test. I was like, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was in and out like in 12 minutes. I was like, great. <laughs> I was like, I got things to do. You know, mama bear wants me to cut the grass tomorrow. I got, <laughs> you know. I'll take the overtime. Yeah. But I was like, you know, well, that, bear, that's things she wanted done in the house. So we need to get up early. So yeah. Bouncing on this one. Well, that question had come up, um, uh, in the, um, in some of the emails and stuff that I got about your appearance coming on. So I had to throw it out there because, um, you know, I wasn't a big blood draw person. I got to be honest with you, man. Um, early in my career, I latched onto a really, really good DUI enforcer in my agency. Um, and, um, I took the DUIs like a moth to the flame. I was kind of like, like you doing them. A lot of officers avoid doing them because there's, they're just a ton of work, but they're really not. Um, it just, I like the sequence of events that happen. I like, I like working for my case. I like building a case. I like, I like figuring things out. I like, um, I like the investigative part after you lock them up, which is, I know that you drank. Now I need to prove that you drank, which is every single time you go to the bar and you close out your tab, what do you get? You get a receipt. And 
I would I would love when I would go in their wallet or go in their cup holder and find a seventy five dollar bar tab or something. Seventy five dollar like bar tab and I put that bad boy in evidence and I'd show up to to court. It's got the timestamp on it, it's got the date, Absolutely. everything. And the folks that are new to this business that are listening to this, those are the fine details that a prosecutor prosecutor could use to put that last nail in the coffin. I can't even tell you how many times I was on the witness stand and it could have gone either way. And the prosecutor said, is there anything else that you found inside of the car when you did your, uh, your, your, um, you know, your property search? Yes. I found a receipt for receipt for what receipt for $145, uh, closeout bar tab slam dunk from what will it's yeah. 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 From and they'll even say, Where what's uh what's uh Bob's uh Bob's wholesale? And you're like, That's a local bar. And they're like, Oh, okay. And then you know, the jury of the judge is like, Oh, you're fucking done. You're fucking done. So P- pictures of people's hands, you know, they get those bar stamps, uh yeah. or the wristband. I call them guilty bands. Yep. Cut those off. I used to cut those off. Yeah. Um, you know, big time. And then, you know, Cell phones, if you want to go that route, I mean, you can you can do a search yeah. warrant on cell phones, but I mean, or okay, here here's something, you know, it's it's 2020. Look at their social media. Yes, yes. Yeah, you know, I locked up a girl for DUI. And, I mean, she she was toe up, um, like a soup sandwich, and you know, she had a pretty open Facebook account. Uh, I yeah, I looked her up, and you know, like. 45 minutes before I stopped or, you know, something like shots with my girls. I'm so effed up or stuff like that. And I was like, this is gold. Yes. Check out their Instagram, their Snapchat, you know. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you another one. I I took an um, internet, internet investigative course uh, last year sometime. And uh, I wasn't a big real social media person up until this podcast that ruined my life. And that's all (laughs) I do now is social media. And um, what you can do um, for the the millennials that are out there that are DOI enforcers is if you have a receipt or you've questioned them and they've said they said that they came from Jim's Bar and Grill, go into Instagram or go to Facebook and put in hashtag Jim Jim's Bar and Grill, and it'll actually pull up all tagged pictures at that bar. Oh wow. And so if that person took pictures with their girlfriends or their boyfriends, those pictures are going to be on social media. Um, It's just the way the proximity works with social media. It's insane how much these social media accounts are really helping us build cases because they don't understand that they're tagging themselves in businesses um, and their pictures are open for them. Even if you have a private Facebook or private Instagram, it is not private when you tag Jim's Bar and Grill. You give up your privacy. Yeah. Yeah. I went to this class, man, last year and my eyes were open real wide. And as I'm taking the class, I'm shutting shit off on my cell phone, on my iPhone. I'm like, I'm like, fuck, I didn't know that was an option. Like, you know, so much shit that that it does. So, but we're going to, we're going to take another break and then we'll come back. And um, I've got a couple of fun questions for you. uh, Then we're going to, then we're going to close this bad boy out. Cool beans. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. Heard it from a friend who Heard it from another you've been messing around They say you got a boyfriend 
You're out late every weekend. They're talking about... Do you want to help the Roll Call Room podcast keep going? Of course you do. Join Patreon and pledge to the show each month. Tiers start at $5 and you can get some pretty cool shit with it, including swag and access to listen to episode clips early. So put that Starbucks coffee down and help my dad keep the show going. Don't be a fucking Steve. Go to rollcallroom.com to pledge today. All right, folks, we are back from break. Uh, we are back with Dave. Um, we are laying down some awesome fire about DUI enforcement. Um, so uh, I would be remiss and I would probably get crucified on Twitter uh, if I do not talk about you on Live PD. Um, the Live PD fans uh, for us, tell you have done miracles for our podcast probably responsible for like growing it as large as it has um i mean you've got to see the popularity just completely blow up with that show um i mean are you getting recognized a lot um by non-criminals yeah by some people i mean i'm I'm not one of the the key folks around here basically I show up and mop up drunks, but <laughs> you know, um, I my first and only my first time on the show uh, it was January of 2017. Um, we had just come back from Christmas break, and I, I didn't even realize they were back. And Danny Brown stopped a stopped a woman who he thought was impaired, and he calls me and says. Hey, can you come talk to her, take a look at her? I said, sure. So I pull up to him and um, we're in a very high crime area. Mm-hmm. I see this white guy in a poncho standing in a Burger King parking lot. And I'm like, man, that really looks out of place. What's up with that? And he turned around. I saw the big white light from the camera. I was like, oh, my chickens. Okay. Um, and I'll be honest I've made a lot of DUI cases over the last 23 years. My hands were shaking. Really? Yeah, I was, I was super nervous. I, I do like, all right, breathe, relax. You've done this before. Um, Just from the camera being on? Yeah, that, that big white light isn't him. I was talking to a buddy of mine, Frank. He's out of Pinal County. And he was telling me about a DUI case he made the first time they rode with him. He was like, man, I was, I, you know, I mean, Frank's an experienced DUI guy. And he, he, he was, he said, I was stumbling, you know, over my tongue. And, yeah. So, I mean, that, that big white light can be, can be intimidating. Um, yeah, it's, it's opened, you know, it's kind of, uh, this is probably the one, one thing I would like to talk about when it comes to live PD. Um, I want to say it was like 2017, 2017, 2018, maybe it was in 17. We did a pizza party, you know, Kind of like, hey, thank you for your support, live PD type thing at one of our region offices. And they said, all right, all you guys who've been on the show, you need to go over there. And we're going to sign posters and eat pizza with people and take pictures and stuff. We're thinking there's going to be like 50, 100 people or something like that. There were 3,000 people there as far away from as Ohio and Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. I think every cop should have that feeling once in their lifetime. Um, 
I mean, it's hard to believe people like I drove 12 hours from Ohio to come see you guys. I was like, here's the car. You want to go let it rip up and down I-20, turn lights and siren on. I'm sure the sheriff would be okay with that. I mean, I'm not sure he wouldn't. Uh, but yeah, you know, I'll tell, um, I will, I will tell you, um, from, I, from experience from this show, um, it is mind blowing the coverage that we get from, from fans that are law enforcement fans. Like we have a good amount of fans for this show that are not in law enforcement. And, um, I have sent out over a thousand autograph posters and it's mind blowing sitting there watching live PD. Yeah. Signing posters is mind blowing. Yeah. So being <laughs> here with you is mind blowing. bro. I went and taught at a, uh, at the Pennsylvania's, DUI Association Conference in Pittsburgh this last um, this last October, which, you know, being a PA guy, I feel like I need to go and give back. So they've been kind enough to invite me up there a couple of times to, to teach. And a um, friend of mine, he's an assistant district attorney in, in Lancaster, Andy. He, he's a sharp dude. And I said, hey, I got this young lady in my office who's a big fan of the show. I was like, here, I'll give her a poster. I signed it, and it, it was something like right out of Beatlemania. It was, it was really <laughs> weird. I mean, she was a sweetheart of a lady. She's like, I'm gonna go home and tell my husband. I said, no, don't, don't, please don't tell your husband anything. <laughs> I, I think, I, I think I blushed. I was like, goodness, no, please, I don't. I mean, come if anybody can relate with you, I can. I, I have had, I had my star moment. Um, I, me and my family were out to eat. And I had my, my roll call room hoodie on and has our, our cartoon on it. And some fan paid for my family's meal. And the wait, waitress came over and was like, a fan saw your shirt and paid for your meal. And I was like, I felt, you know, when somebody does that, when you're in uniform, you're just like, you're like I got to know who it is. Because then I feel like I'm not giving back for the free shit that I just got. Yeah. And I'm, the person. I'm going to tell you like this. Um. I love the area I work in, Nick. Uh, yeah. It's fun to work here. If if you like doing it in law enforcement, we have plenty of it. But I tell you what was really great here. A lot of people talk about community policing, mm-hmm. and I, I think our agency has a lock on it. I, I really didn't want to talk that much about my department since I'm more on, on, on a solo thing here. But we're good. We're good at what we do when it comes to that. And I'm not talking about just shaking hands and kissing babies. I'm talking about going to community events and building bonds and stuff like that. It's not rare pre-coronavirus for me to walk into a restaurant. Somebody buy my lunch for me three out of five days. Wow, not, really? Not, not unusual. Or coffee or somewhere. To the point where, like, I walk in Dunkin' Donuts and, you know, guy or girl in front of me is like, hey, let me get three donuts and a coffee. I'm like, yeah, throw a large, extra large black on that. And they look at me and I said, here, put on my card. And, you know, because it happens to us so often. It, it, it's yeah. not unusual. Um, holiday time, people dropping off food to regional offices or headquarters or stuff like that. It just, you know, it's something I always wanted. So in the twilight of my career, I'm glad that I found this department and had the opportunity to do a lot of things I've done here. Yeah, sounds like it, man. I, I, I really admire your your department the most on Live PD. Um, I, I'm not just saying that because you're on here, but um, I like it. I like your department. You guys have some really cool cruisers too. <laughs> a Camaro? What the fuck? Like, who thought of that? Who's running your fleet? Okay. That's so, so th- this is 
Is that a seizure? No, no. Those what? those were paid off of a grant, from what I understand. Um, How many? I think there's seventeen. What? Okay, so here, here's how our department's broken down as far as vehicles. You can identify where somebody works based off what they drive. Our um, our patrol division, our region cars, are Ford Interceptors. Mm-hmm. Unless you're on the special response team, then you have a Tahoe. Canines and SRT are, are Tahoes. Our training division and... Um, School resource officer had a brain freeze there for a second. Goodness gracious, drive Ford, Ford Explorers. Uh, I'm in the traffic unit. We drive Dodge Chargers. And then the community action team drives this go around as Camaros. This is the 20th anniversary of our community action team. And when they first started it, they had like, uh, I thought it was like, I think they had 96 Camaros or 98 or 2000 Camaros or something like that. So they had Camaros, they had Dodge Magnums. Dodge Challengers, and with the 20th anniversary, from what I understand, the boss said, hey, we're going to go back where we all started from. We're going back to Camaro. So they got Camaro uh, SSs. Those things are ridiculous. The lieutenant that works for you guys has one of those, and I'm like, that is sick. That's sick. That's insane. I'm jealous. They're, they're pretty. and You can't put a suspect in there, right? You can't if you got a shoehorn. That's about what it takes. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, there's no room in the front even to yeah. put them in the passenger seat. Um, the community action team in my 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 unit, the traffic safety unit, are under the same leadership. We're all under the community services division. So, uh, like, my captain drives a, a select top Camaro. And he's like, it's a pretty car, man, but it's, you know, six or seven hours in a car like this is hard on the back. So... Yeah, I, th- I think it's built for, you know, like these 160-pound kids who run like a deer, not me. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. All right. Well, you know what? We're at that point. Um, I got uh, I got a funny question for okay, you, Dave. Shoot. Are you game? I'm game. All right. This is going to make you think, and it's nothing like what you're thinking right now. You have to arrest one. You have to mentally detain one, and you have to have coffee with one. Okay. Arrest one, mentally detain one, and, and coffee. Have coffee with one. All right. And okay. coffee means you got to sit down and have a meaningful conversation. All right. Here are the three people. I purposely made this not about politics because <laughs> we're both in law enforcement and we're right. not allowed yeah, absolutely. any view whatsoever. Absolutely. Yeah. Pee Wee Herman, Alyssa Milano, and Gary Busey. <laughs> arrest one mentally detain one and have coffee with one Wee herman Alyssa milano okay i would, I would say gary Busey would probably be the most likely candidate to be arrested so so i said who in the real world who'd be the most likely candidate to be arrested so i'd probably deviate from that um he's off the chain in fact I was watching a thing on YouTube. I've been on this big top 10 watch mojo list of things. They're talking about um, celebrities who have been banned from TV shows. And Gary Busey was actually banned from the Howard Stern show. Really? Yeah. Um, I'd like to have a cup of coffee with him. Really? I think that would be off the chain. Yeah. 
I'm writing mine down so I can tell you. So there's no. So coffee with Gary Busey. Okay, I'm on coffee with Gary Busey just because I think it'd be a total train wreck and be fun. Now you have to arrest okay. one and detain one. I absolutely hate arresting women for driving in punks. Because it starts from like, hey, boo, how are you? And you're like, you're under arrest for John Infants. They're like, roar, I'm going to eat your soul. <laughs> Every stinking time. <laughs> so I'm arrest Pee Wee. I'm a mentally detained Alessa Milano. All right. Mentally I like detained. I like to lock it up, though. I mean, I'll be honest with you. But I just think it'd be a train wreck. I think it'd be more than what's worth it. <laughs> so mine was TDO Gary Busey. Mentally detained Gary Busey because I think he's pretty much. I'm. I think drugs and that motorcycle accident oh, have finally caught up him. Yeah. Um, Pee Wee. I would love to sit down and have coffee with him. You're like, what I were you thinking in the movie theater, dude? <laughs> well, yeah. Like you were at the pinnacle of your career. Yeah. What were you thinking? What were you thinking, man? And and how did it feel to have it all? Like, could you imagine if that happened now with him? It wouldn't. It would just be like, eh, whatever. Yeah. I don't think it would have been a big deal. Um, it would have been worse because of social media. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And the, yeah, that is true. That is true. Either it would be like, meh, that's the norm, or let's, let's set them on fire and burn them at a stake. Yeah. 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 And then, of course, arrest Alyssa Milano because I think she's absolutely insane. But she was a tie for the TDO between yeah. her and. But Gary, she's a nut job. She, she, if you wanted to lock her up, man, she'd just be a nightmare. Yeah. Oh man. That'd yeah. Be a nightmare. Yeah. I would. I would venture that the press would be out there. Um, you'd probably be put on administrative leave pending an internal investigation, even though you did everything right. I think that would just be a nightmare. Yeah. She, she would. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much how I wanted to close it out, Dave. I wanted to stun you with a question that had nothing to do with law enforcement and DUIs. Um, and um, I hope you had a good time on the show. I had a blast, man. Um, yeah. I think we're going to have to do this again when Mike actually shows up for work. Can I throw out a shameless plug? Yes, actually, uh, that's where I was going to get to. So oh, how could cool. people get a hold of you? What do you got going on in the near future? Um, how do people get a hold of you? All right, cool. Um, we are at the very beginning of this. In fact, we're, we're building our website, but our company's called Integrated Impaired Driving Solutions. And mm -hmm. it, we're going to do three things based out of this. Uh, we're going to teach a 16-hour, two-day class on courtroom testimony and prep for it. I call it Don't Fear the Dark Side. Mm -hmm. um, this is something that we've been doing for about 10 years, me and my friends, uh, tied into our DUI SFST schools. And we figured this sounds like a good retirement plan for me. So we're going to slowly build this uh, two-day class for cops and or prosecutors. Heck, if you're a defense attorney, you can come take this too because we got nothing to hide. And we can probably learn from you too. 249 for a 16-hour class. And we're working on getting accredited through various states. That's great. Uh, we're going to teach uh, how to identify drug impairment in the workplace with the opiate epidemic. and. Basically, everybody's either legalizing or just doesn't care about cannabis or marijuana these days. If you're operating a forklift at the BMW factory, that, that tends to be a big deal if, if you're jacked up on painkillers or high on weed. So, we're going to be a problem. 
And we're going to do a very small amount of expert testimony for civil litigation cases right now. Um, basically, if cops are getting sued, then we'll come help them out. Uh, that's, that's one of the agreements I have with my sheriff. He's like, you can do this stuff. You just can't testify against cops. Not that I, I don't think I could ever do that, even if I get out of law enforcement. I'll be honest with you. I think, yeah, I think, yeah, same. I think if, if I did that, then the last 23 years, I've been lying to cops. Yeah. So that's just my philosophy. On it. So but I'll be honest, the, the, the flagship of it is going to be, you know, don't fear the dark side. Uh, I don't think there's a whole lot of courtroom testimony class out there. We're gonna, it's, it's two days. Uh, we got uh, some lecture stuff on how people learn to think, how to testify and direct and cross uh, a wet lab or a fresher. We're going to get some people in your neighborhood liquored up or not liquored up. And you do field sobriety tests. Uh, take good notes because we're going to write an instant report off that later. Uh, we're going to talk about blood search warrants, uh, theme development for prosecutors. I have a friend of mine. She's now in um, private practice doing personal injury work. So she, was, uh, she worked with me as a DUI prosecutor. Awesome at theme development. Uh, and then that's day one. And day two, we'll, we'll put you on the witness stand. And I'm going to bring some, some attorneys. Some may be uh, current prosecutors. Some might be private attorneys working non-defense work like I got, I got a friend my, my friend who i just talked about she's doing personal injury i got another one who's representing uh, law enforcement in 1983 lawsuits and then i got two who are defense attorneys who are who are very pro law enforcement who will come help us out so um i think it's fun i think cops will have a good time now they're going to learn a lot uh i kind of tie in the mike tomez belief that you know you leave a class you don't only just pay for the class you pay for the networking capabilities from the class hey if i got a question you know my phone's on 24 hours a day so we're hoping to have that uh up and running here probably by midsummer i'm on facebook obviously dave copenhaver with a k on that i'm on the dui sfst dre for law enforcement page uh my my email is David Copenhaver at Yahoo. You can hit me up if you got a question there. Um, but you know when uh when we get the website up and running, man, we'll hit you back with it. Awesome. When you get that up and running, we'll have you uh, we'll have you back on. Um, Mike will be in studio, and then we'll do uh, we'll do maybe a funny uh, funny episode, and you get to experience some of the uh, comedy that goes on in here. I had a blast, Nick. Thanks for having me, man. Dave, I appreciate it. Now, everybody, um, this is what I want you to do is, is if you need to get a hold of me, you can reach me at nick at rollcallroom.com. If you are not a Patreon supporter of the show, please log on at uh, rollcallroom.com. There's a big yellow banner right at the front uh, at the homepage. Click on it. Subscribe as a Patreon supporter. Get a lot of uh, cool perks being a Patreon supporter. Check us out on YouTube. Um, and as always, take good care of each other and be safe. I rarely drink from the bottle, but I'll smoke a little weed. I still live in the sticks where you wouldn't go. In a town of 1200, off an older. Hey, folks, I want to tell you about SIG. Global Services. SIG Global Services helps officers create their resume for after law enforcement careers. 
Or if you're in law enforcement, you need to brush up your resume for a promotional process, SIG is where you need to go. Let me tell you how I came about SIG. Burke, who's a former police officer, created this to help officers build their resume. Folks, building your resume is a lot harder than you think it is. You may leave out some stuff. You may cut yourself short. Burke can help you create that resume and get you that promotional opportunity or a job that you've been seeking. I want you to give them a call, 703-943-7854. Email them at sig, S-I-G, global, 01 at gmail.com. Go ahead, and ha- go ahead and tell them that Nick and Mike from the Roll Call Room sent you. Check him out. He's awesome, and Burke's a big fan of the show. All right, fans, thanks so much for tuning in to another great episode of the Roll Call Room. I want to remind you that uh, we are on YouTube. Go on our YouTube channel and subscribe. We're also on Twitter at Roll Call Room. We're also on Facebook at Roll Call Room Podcast. We're also on Instagram. Uh, We're always asking for you guys to go on iTunes and rate us a five star with a comment. Um, Helps us climb the charts. Uh, Don't forget to check out bluehelp.org. If you're struggling out there um, and you need somebody to talk to, we highly recommend them. Don't forget about our nonprofit, um, tagfink.com. We got some great shows coming up soon. And uh, we love hearing from you guys. So please email us at nick at rollcallroom.com or mike at rollcallroom.com. And always take care of each other. Look out for each other and check on each other.